0: Hey friends, I'm Bryant Russ and in partnership with Christian Schools International, you're listening to Lighting a Fire.
1: Nothing lights up the brain like play. Here in the summer we've been doing water balloon fights in the in the backyard. <laughs> and these kinds of fun experiences are so important for us. You know, because we've made God and I think we've made Jesus into such serious kind of figures that the idea that Jesus had fun is, is something that's foreign to us. You know, I think we've still got that very Puritan kind of view of God.
0: You know, the more time I spend in the classroom, the more I become convinced that wonder is just such a core prerequisite to education. Wonder fuels curiosity, creativity, inquisitiveness, these kinds of these core requirements for a life of learning. I love the Socrates quote, wisdom begins with wonder. And I think of even my own story of becoming a classroom teacher began with realizing just how incredible and cool and strange the universe really is. I realized, wow, I wanna be exploring this place the rest of my life, and I wanna invite students to come along. If you know what I'm talking about, then you're gonna love today's conversation with Christine Aroni Sign. In addition to just being one of the most fun and coolest people I've met in a long time, Christine is the author of The Gift of Wonder, Creative Practices for Delighting in God. Christine just has an incredible story. She spent 12 years as a medical doctor on board the Mercy Ship, traveling all around the world, providing humanitarian aid in some of the most desperate regions on the planet. She recounts many of her memories in a book, Tales of a Seasick Doctor. But today we focus primarily on her newest book, The Gift of Wonder. As she examined just what are those childlike characteristics that Jesus seems to think are essential for participation in the Kingdom of God. Christine starts with that question and then examines a number of possibilities, all the while offering practical suggestions for how we can incorporate practices of wonder into our daily lives and rhythms, and maybe even into our classrooms. Shout out to InterVarsity Press. They're generously giving away five books to people who share this conversation on social media. So if you wanna enter a chance to win the gift of wonder, I'd encourage you to share this conversation on Facebook. Make sure you tag the podcast, Lighting a Fire. All right, friends, I think you're really going to enjoy today's conversation with Christine. As you're listening, my hope is that you gravitate towards certain ideas or stories and begin that process of incorporating these ideas into what we do with students every day. Well, hey, first of all, thank you for coming on for this conversation and also your book, it was such a gift to me these past few months. It was almost like reading a poem. I just slowed down, and so I just wanted to say thank you, first of all. Oh,
1: wow, thank you. I
0: really was really blessed by it.
1: Oh, it's it's interesting to me. A number of people have told me what a helpful book it's been during this very traumatic time. Yes, yeah. You know, one friend uh, in fact, an organization called Word Made Flesh. They got me to do a a webinar on wonder as a healing tool Mm. for Mm. soul care. Uh, And part of what I said is that this is a tool that I think is almost unheard of and almost forgotten, you know, which is so sad because I think it is such a powerful tool in so many ways. Also, it makes us aware of the fact that we are part of something that's much bigger than ourselves and that's much bigger than COVID as well. And, And I think that can be reassuring when we kind of get this kind of a connection to the God of the universe.
0: To me, this book was, was really about addressing who is God in, in one sense. As you write about living in awe, wonder, living playfully and creatively, I kept coming back to that, you know, who can live like this? What is the person who lives in this kind of way? What, did that, what does that person know about the heart of God that I don't? Um, in fact, in the introduction, you write, can you imagine a God who dances with shouts of joy, laughs when you laugh? loves to play, enjoys life, and invites us into the fun. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to know God in this way?
1: Well, it was a long, slow journey. (laughs) The Gift of Wonder was one of the major steps along the way. I think writing this book kind of opened up a world for me uh, that I'd kind of glimpsed to a certain extent over the previous years, but I hadn't really entered into tangibly until I wrote The Gift of Wonder. And since then, it's kind of blossomed in amazing ways but I think that it started when I began to think about spiritual practices in a bit of a different way you know I started to realize that kind of our traditional way of praying and even our traditional ways of reading the bible just didn't gel for me I'm somebody who loves to read the bible I'm somebody who loves to pray but I needed tools because I'm the kind of person who loves to involve every part of their body in what they're doing. And when we just kind of use words in prayer, it just didn't seem to kind of have the strength. And so as I started to open up my other senses, as a recognition of these are the things that are needed, as part of our prayer observances, it was like my, my brain was opened up to a God Mm. of wonder that I had not had not encountered before, you know, I mean, I talked about, you know, an awesome God, but until I started to reflect on the amazingness of God in a leaf, or, you know, the fragrance of a rose, or something like this, and enter and, and look up at the sky, the night sky, and, and, and look at the amazing dimensions of the universe, when I took time to enter into the presence of God in this way and to pray in this way, I suppose you could say. This was when something really um, <laughs> kind of gelled for me. And, and yeah. it's only blossomed and grown since I wrote The Gift of Wonder. It's interesting because I read a book recently called Landmarks. And this is a person who goes looking for lost words. And one of the things that he talks about is how we have lost the words to express the wonder of the world. Hmm. You know, he talks about how when the Children's Oxford Dictionary was updated a couple of years ago, they, as it always happens when they update a dictionary, they took out some words and put in new words. And, of course, all of the words that were taken out had to do with nature and the words that were added had to do with technology. And so he talks about the fact that we need a rewonderment of the world because we've not only lost our kind of view of wonder, but we've lost the words to express it. And I think we need a rewonderment of God as well, you know, where we, we kind of enter into language that to a certain extent has been lost. Of expressing the awesomeness, the really awesomeness. I, In fact, I don't like using that word because it's become such a trivial word hmm. in we've many ways. It. Oh, we've killed it. Yes, definitely. And so I think that part of what my journey has been that is expressed in the gift of wonder is this re-entering into the re-wonderment of the world and of God as well. Yeah.
0: A re wonderment of God, and who better to teach us than children, as your book walks exactly. us through, so you write to enjoy God more fully and recognize God's delight in us. We must rediscover the world of childhood and unleash the inner child hidden deep in our souls. Can you walk us through some of the key qualities that children possess that you're inviting our readers, your readers to to rediscover
1: well, first of all, you know the the quote that I used, of course is, you know, unless we become like children, uh, we cannot enter the kingdom. Matthew 18, verse 3, and I wish I had found this translation before I wrote The Gift of Wonder, but in the Passion Translation, it says, learn this well unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. I mean, isn't that marvellous? You know? <laughs> <That's> really wonderful. <laughs> and, you know, and of course, obviously, I'd been thinking about this kind of dimension beforehand. And, you know, what I did was I actually posted on Facebook, you know, what do you think of the childlike characteristics that make us fit for the kingdom? And I had so many responses. And I took out the ones that I felt had the greatest relevance. So playfulness, awe and wonder imagination, curiosity, love of nature, compassion, uh, unconditional trust. And I took 12, the ones that I felt were important. And my background is I'm a medical doctor. And so I did some research from a medical perspective, a scientific perspective and a biblical perspective. And I was just amazed at how, when I started looking at these characteristics, how they can transform us. They mm. can transform the way we live. They can transform the way we see God and they can transform the way we see the world and, and the, those that we share the world with as well. Mm. And, and that was stunning to me. And so, again, I think um, <laughs> writing this book transformed me and I'm delighted to hear that it's transforming others as well. And I think particularly during this time of COVID where we need something, to transform us into a different mindset, I think. I think this is the kind of thing that we need. We, we need to rediscover the wonder of God again, but we need tools that help us do that and play, imagination, curiosity. These are the kinds of things that can help us do that.
0: Was there anything in your writing and research, was there anything that was particularly surprising to you about any of these imagination, curiosity, playfulness? Was there anything that, that particularly caught your attention?
1: Well, I think play. (laughs) I think like most adults, you know, I gave up play. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And so realizing the impact of play, Stuart Brown, the head of the National Institute for Play, says that nothing lights up the brain like play. Hmm. And he believes that it's as important as oxygen for our survival. He also comments that he believes it's probably God's greatest gift to humankind So realizing that, it's like, wow, you know, this is something that I need to reintroduce into my life. And um, it was interesting because it was not long after I'd written The Gift of Wonder that we had the biggest snowfall that we'd had in Seattle for who knows how long. And um, a young couple who we rent out a basement apartment to said, oh, do you want to go sledding? And I I can tell you, before writing The Gift of Wonder, I would have said no. I mean, it's like, this is a kid's thing, or this is for young adults. This is not for me. And I thought, oh, sure. I mean, I'd never been sledding in my life. Growing up in Australia, you know, where in Sydney there's no snow, I'd never even seen snow until I was an adult. And so this was the most incredible experience. We actually hitched our dog to the sled. And she was as delighted <laughs> at the experience as I was. First time for her. And she loved it. And I loved it. It's a long time since I'd had so much fun. <laughs> I hope
0: you don't have a chihuahua, Christine.
1: No, it's a golden retriever. <laughs> she, she just had a ball. We, we all had a ball and since then i've delighted in other kinds of things i mean here in the summer we've been doing uh water water balloon fights in the in the backyard mm. <laughs> and things like that and these kinds of fun experiences are so important for us and that's that that was probably the biggest surprise for me is not just saying oh we need fun but recognizing the centrality of how important this is, you know because we 've made God and I think we've made Jesus into such serious kind of figures that the idea that Jesus had fun or that God likes to laugh or to enjoy mm. life is is something that's foreign to us you know I think we 've still got that very Puritan kind of view of God that says no fun you know I mean I remember reading somewhere that in the north of Scotland, they used to tie down the swings on Saturday night so the kids couldn't play on Sunday. <laughs> you know, and, and I think, and wow. that's the kind of view of God that unfortunately I feel that we still have to a large extent, where mm. play is not a part of our idea of how we celebrate the presence of God on the Sabbath or the, uh, on Sunday or whenever it is that we celebrate the presence of God. And yet it's, it's so important.
0: Hmm. What's the relationship, Christine, between wonder, play, curiosity, and worship?
1: <laughs> well, I, I think, again, I think sometimes we have a very narrow view of what worship yeah, is yeah, all about. Definitely. Because I think it, when we think of worship as just singing, and, and certainly as worship as just being confined to church as well, we really have a narrow view. I mean, I think that my best worship experiences have been out in nature, you know, when I can look up and appreciate the glory of God, when I can look at the people around me in that kind of situation. We used to do a a summer retreat where all our worship services were held outside. And it was, to me, the most phenomenal worship experiences That I've had because we not only were able to enjoy each other to enjoy the music and the experience but also to enjoy God's world and then we would do creative things too. We would actually send people out into the property to bring back things to decorate the altar with Hmm. and that creativity and that imagination was part of our worship experience that really contributed to worshipping God and, and, and the bond that we formed with each other as well. And it was just a beautiful kind of an experience. And, and I think that that's what worship is meant to be about. I read once that Orthodox Christians, when they their churches, you know, they have icons and they have incense and they have, you know, all kinds of things that, that their idea is to make this their worship experience into a little glimpse into heaven. So part of what they try to do is to stimulate all of the senses in Mm. that. And I think, well, we don't need to go into church to do that. (laughs) Being out in nature, you have that same kind of experience. Mm. And so worshipping in nature, I think, can be one of the most phenomenal and empowering kind of worship experiences that we can have.
0: You write, delighting in fun and laughter as a pathway to enjoying God is something most of us never consider. What if Christians were the most joyful, the most uproariously, you know, laughter? (laughs) What would the testimony be to the world, right, of who our God is? That would be really beautiful.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I think so. And you look, you know, part of the reason that the Pharisees hated Jesus was because what? He laughed. You know, they would call him, you know, a drunkard and, and all of these things. Why? Because he was having fun. You know, I think <laughs> that's part of what it was. And and again, they just did not have that kind of impression of Jesus, of, of what Jesus should be. You know, one of the things I I, I talk about in the book is that there is a seldom noticed <laughs> phrase you know where it talks about Jesus going into the temple and turning over the the tables the money lenders tables and it says and the children danced and sang you know mm. around the place and the and and the church leaders got angry <laughs> and i think in a way it's it's still the same they they recognized who jesus was and they were excited and they they wanted to rejoice in this not in a staid way but in a you know a joyful way of exuberance and and spontaneous exuberance i think hmm. and again i think we've lost that and that's what fun and play can help us rediscover in a lot of ways
0: so I keep thinking about this uh, from the perspective as of a Christian teacher involved in Christian schools. Do you have any ideas or insights as to how could this become the DNA of Christian education, or at least more so?
1: Wow, <laughs> that's quite a question. <laughs> now, I'm not a teacher, so you know I can't say, well, these are the things that you should be doing. Sure. I'm just saying, here are some possibilities that I've seen people do that I think can be effective. But I think, you know, kids need more time outside. In fact, the research shows that they, that they learn better when they spend time outside. Mm. They're healthier, believe it or not. There was a study done in downtown London amongst some of the poorer communities where they found that even spending a short time outside with the kids so improved their health that the uh, local council actually instituted the necessity of time outside for these kids in Mm. nature. Think about maybe rather than having kids just sitting in front of a computer all the time, how can you diversify those experiences so that they then bring back what they have experienced to the computer and their interaction with the teacher?
0: I love your, one of the lenses that you look through these qualities with that, that medical lens. That's so important. I think throughout my day, I'm having these theological conversations and sometimes they can get intense. And I've got four little girls at home. When I come home, somebody inevitably asks me to be their horse. And I get down on my knees and and a kid hops on my back. And I just am curious if someone took my blood pressure or something. There's just this piece with play and the ego. Check the ego at the door. And sometimes I feel like I've been an ass all day. And now I finally get to be a horse at the end when I come
1: home. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, and and I think, I mean, that's interesting because I haven't read anything that says that people have done experiments, you know, like this of parents coming home and playing with kids and what effect does it have on their blood pressure and on some (laughs) of the other parameters. But I bet, I bet if you did, that you would find that it lowers your blood pressure and probably even has other kind of hormonal influences that help to calm you down as well, I would suspect.
0: You know, one of the things as I read the first few pages I wrote in the margin, I wrote, does embracing childlike joy and wonder come at the expense of sober acknowledgement of suffering in the world? And as I read on, you you really addressed that. You talked about some of your experiences serving as a doctor on the Thai-Cambodian border. Are you able to tell us about some of those experiences and how you're able to pursue joy, hope, wonder in the midst of... And understanding that the world's also there's all kinds of pain and suffering,
1: and I mentioned in the that early part there that um you know I think Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama yeah, yeah. have been in my, a lot of inspiration to me because here are two men that have suffered a lot in their lives and who could have become better as a result. and you know and yet they are some of the most joyful. And I think particularly Desmond Tutu, in some ways, child, you know, childlike enthusiasm that just bubbles out of him. Mm. And he talks about that we need to become a reservoir of joy, an oasis of peace and a pool of serenity in, in the midst of pain and suffering. I think there are several things. Firstly, some of the people who are suffering are some of the most jo- joyful people I know. You know, I think this was one of the things that really rocked me. I think we have the idea that people who live in poverty and people who live in, you know, at the margins are kind of bitter because of their suffering. But some of them are really joyful because of the fact that they have learnt to appreciate the wonder of small things. In that refugee camp, for example, it just intrigued me to watch the kids who would take any tiny little thing that was offered to them and make it into something that they could have fun with, which was just beautiful. And you would see the appreciation of what people had, which I think is part of what suffering does for us. You know, I know that there's been research done even of people who have had major kinds of accidents and then afterwards how they see life as being better because they've learned to appreciate what they have. They've learned to find joy in the moment rather than hoping for something more, rather than expecting in some ways that they need something more. Talking to people who have suffered greatly is, is, is quite incredible sometimes. And I am awed by their resilience. I am awed by often this gift of of wonder (laughs) that they have. Hmm.
0: Christine, can you think of maybe uh, a danger uh, to wonder or living this way in today's world?
1: Yeah, I, I think that the things that make it impossible for us to live in the wonderment of God would be, firstly, the hurried pace at which we live, and secondly, the distractions of things like being online all the time. Now, I spend a lot of time online. I am, my, my husband said, I'm a tech junkie. I, I do love technology. But I also recognize that spending all my time online on can in some ways, stifle my wonderment of the world. You know, we're looking at somebody else having fun rather than creating our own fun. And so I think these kinds of things can very definitely distract us from the ability to enter into the wonder of the world.
0: Hmm. Wow. Christine, would you be willing to read to us a couple poems? Each chapter begins with a poem. Would you be willing to read a couple of those? I just absolutely love it. If you could see the margins of my book, there's just stars <laughs> and <laughs> squigglies coming oh, out of all your poems. Thank
1: you. Thank you. I love to hear that. Yeah, I I will read the the one of my favorites, I just found it here. Chapter 6 starts with this prayer or, or poem. The world dances in wild abandon to the rhythms of God. Let us listen with our ears and look with our eyes to its holy song. It is so ordinary, so simple, yet so powerful, this seeking after God. Every daily act, every jagged rock and babbling brook, Every darkened alleyway and fast-paced city street cries out God's voice, begging to be listened to, to be watched, handled, and examined. All is a gift from God. Let us receive with wonder and awe. Hmm. Um, Amen. They've come out of my own expression of what I'm learning. Again, this is a form of prayer, you know, writing these that I have found very helpful that I was only really introduced to in the last 10 years. And, and boy, it's, it's, it's strengthened my prayer life in so many wonderful ways. Mm. How delightful it is to live in a place of beauty, to share the joy of life with the great I am. How delightful it is to see the birds hovering overhead and hear the whispering wind rustling through the trees. I breathe in the rhythm of God's world, the ebb and flow of seasons, the fading of day's bright light into night's embrace. I dance for joy, surrounded by God's grandeur and open my senses to wonder and awe. I sit content in the glory of God's embrace and absorb the fragrance of God's loving presence.
0: Hmm. Amen.
1: I should just mention that one of the things that started me writing poetry was my husband and I have been really impacted by Celtic Christians. Part of the legacy that they left behind was some beautiful, rich poetry. You know, that was the inspiration that started me writing these kinds of prayers. And in fact, this one in particular has a very Celtic kind of flavor to it.
0: Christine, I've had a smile on my face for most of this conversation. You are a delight to talk to and I want to be your friend. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, not just for this conversation, but for your book. I'm grateful to University Press, who's also going to be giving away five copies uh, when we release this episode. So thank you to them and thank you for your heart and soul that you've put into this work. It's been a blessing to me and I know so many others around the world.
1: Wonderful. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today, friends. If you want to hear more from Christine, head on over to GodSpaceLight, that's L-I-G-H-T, where you can read more from Christine's blog or explore more of what she and her friends are up to. As always, if you have questions for the podcast, feel free to email me at bruss, B-R-U-S-S, at hollandchristian.org. Thanks for joining us today. In partnership with Christian Schools International, you're listening to Lighting a Fire.